Hey, this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's... Uh, I haven't been called that much good stuff for a long time. Far out. I'm going to come here more often. Amazing Steve. Oh, far out. That's scary. Hey, uh, I'm not sure whether... You guys are blessed, hey, because we practiced on the first service and now you get the real stuff, right? Is that right? I think that's the way it goes because I, now, I, now I know what I'm talking about. I probably won't talk about it. This is a, this is a great church and, uh, and I love this church because it means a lot to me. Um, it means a lot to me not simply because I was the pastor here because it actually goes back down to when we were first married. Um, Marg and I came to Kelmscott Church of Christ um, back in 81. Um, and so it's been a long time we've been connected to this church. And I remember um, going back to the times when my mentor and discipler and good friend and man I greatly respect, Des Nelson, um, used to before the service, would always say the same words I still say to my, my team before we go into the service. They've got no idea what I'm talking about. Is I'll go, flies and ties, gentlemen. And it always used to say that before we left from the service to pre-service meeting. It was always, make sure your tie's right and make sure your fly's up. Um, <laughs> but it was always flies and ties. But this place has got a lot of memories. And, uh, and I, I still remember um, some amazing times of great healing for me personally, um, emotionally and also physically in this place, times of um, experience, amazing um, spiritual warfare stuff as well as walking in seeing deliverance happening. So this, this place, this space here is very important to me. But not only this space, but this community and the many years that we worked in the high schools um, and uh, Saw great things happening in the school just across the road here. Got some great stories I could tell you about that. Um, but the thing is that the pastor you have now, and can I really encourage you? Um, I, I, I've hanging, been hanging around churches and lots of different pastors over the years, but you are truly blessed to have Dave. I mean, I don't say that lightly. Um, I want to say that with, with all my heart. Um, Dave's been here seven years, he just said, and uh, I think I was here on ministry team six, so he's beaten me. Um, but he, uh, I've seen God use him in moving this church forward, and it takes a lot. It takes a lot out of a guy to move a church forward, um, changing culture, um, setting its new direction, honoring the past and not just denying it, but honoring it. And you have a fantastic pastor, and unfortunately you have a great preacher in Dave. So I got a big act to follow. Um, and he was at Kalamunda last week, and um, I'm still hearing how good he is. They never say that about me. In fact, Dave, Dave actually did, like, you know, that's why I say honor your pa pastor. Bible actually says this. It says, you know, honor your mother and father, and it will go, and you will live a good life, basically. Um, it's the only promise, the only commandment that has a promise. And I want to tell you that your pastor is a little bit of, like a spiritual father to you. And so you honor him. 
And let me tell you, there will be life in your church. Um, there will be life in you. And, it, and our culture does not do that well. Um, and yet this church does, and I encourage you, keep doing it. Keep honoring your leadership and honoring your pastor and honoring your eldership and honoring them, not questioning and, and debating. And it only takes life out of the church. And right now, our society needs healthy churches. We need healthy churches. And, and it's happening. It's happening. I, I mean, I didn't say this at the, at the other service, so you see, you get an extra. But, you know, this, this change of government that we've had, and I don't know who you voted for, right, but it doesn't matter because there is something happened in the spiritual realm over this country last weekend, right? And it wasn't just because liberals got in. It's nothing to do with that. It's actually because... Margaret Court, who I have the highest respect for, she had a word some uh, months before the election. And the scripture, and I can't remember the scripture, look it up yourself um, if you go onto Margaret's uh, page, but the, she actually got woken up with this idea that, that when there is a righteous leader, it's out of Isaiah, when there is a righteous leader over your country, um, God will bless it. And, uh, and so she started getting heads of churches across this state praying together. Uh, by by Zoom, they're all online together, regularly praying. And 21 days, there was a fast of right across this country for for Australia, um, leading up to the election. And there were there were politicians from both sides of the fence, Labor, Liberals, all sorts, all coming out and standing up for their faith. We're in a great time, people. We really are, and and we need to, as a churches, grab hold of that time. Okay, and I'm saying this is extra, right? This is, you, this is, you don't pay for this, but, right? But this is, like, I, I am convinced that God is doing something in his church. He's doing something right now. We're in a season where we need to, to really grab hold of that season and go with the Spirit and not give up and continue to keep praying for our communities and keep praying for my local member, um, Ken Wyatt, um, came up to my church years ago when he first got into office, and we prayed for him in the in the car park. And uh, even today, he talks about that publicly, that the church is significant in our communities. And we need to keep doing this, people. We need to keep doing it. So anyway, that's, that's extra bonus. But honor your, honor your pastor. Stand together, church. Stand together. Because uh, this is the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. And it is a place that God is going to do something. There's to be negative about it, but let's look at what's going on and stand with our politicians and keep standing for the things of righteousness that we know of. Um, it, it, I know people say you shouldn't mix church and politics. I want to tell you, it's your life. This is our life. Um, and we need to be praying for our country. Anyway, so um, that's, that's beside the point. Right, here we go. I am... Um, I... Struggled a little bit with this message because, uh, as I said in the earlier service, I'm not good at rehashing old sermons, right? I, I'm not good at it. I, it doesn't work well for me. Um, and I spent time praying, God, what am I going to say to New Spring? In fact, I was praying, God, what are you going to give me, Kelmscott? He didn't give me anything, and that's because I had the wrong name. So I had to go back to New Spring. So, God, what do you want me to say to New Spring Church? And nothing to come which is unusual. And I, I really started getting upset, and I, but I found that what I was trying to do was I was trying to prove myself. Um, and uh, especially when, as I say, I do have the highest respect for Dave's preaching. 
And I'm going, wow, how do you, how do you follow Dave? Um, he is a great preacher. He really, really is. And, uh, and then God just really challenged me and convicted me on a number of things. And this scripture, this old message that I did in August 2018 kept coming up. And I don't keep my messages. If I, the ones I do do, you'll struggle to find. And if you found them, you wouldn't understand them because um, I do write in tongues. And uh, um, so you wouldn't understand them. But I went back to this one because three times it came up that someone spoke to me about it last week. And that's unusual. I mean, this is a sermon that I did in August last year. So I went back to it, and I went back to it because as I went back, I found God revealed something a little bit deeper for me. And it's actually out of John chapter 20. So if you'd like to go to John chapter 20 with me. Now, we're doing the book of John up at Kalamunda. And if you know the book of John, the book of John was written by the evangelist and disciple, John, the one that keeps saying, I am the one that God, the disciple that God loved. All the time he keeps saying the disciple that Jesus loved, right? He wants to show off a little bit. I don't think he is showing off. And I'll show you that in a minute. But I don't think he was showing off. I think he was understanding who he was. So he's, he says in chapter 20, back in the last verse of two verses of chapter 20, he write, tells you why he's written the gospel, which was about 50 years after Jesus had died. And he was an evangelist and he says, I could tell you so much more of what Jesus had done. In fact, he says later on in 21 that if I did, there wouldn't be enough books to hold it all. But I tell you what I do tell you so that you might continually know that Jesus is the Messiah. You would continually know. Not that you would know once. Not that I'm going to prove you um, and I'm going to come up with the proof that Jesus is the Messiah once. It's that you would continue to know. We need to continually know. Not just one off, but continue every day. That's why, Alistair, I love what you did with the communion. Center point. He's our center point. The communion is our center point. At Cutamunda Church of Christ, I was thinking of getting rid of communion regularly because I thought it was becoming a habit. Until I prayed and sought God and I thought, no, we need to keep coming back to the cross every week. You can preach anything else, but make sure that we do the communion because that takes us back to the cross. Because the cross is where we understand He is the Messiah, that He died and rose again. And we need to center our lives every week. That's why I don't understand why, sorry if you do this, but I don't understand why Christians have gone back to going to church every second week. It doesn't make sense to me. I mean, that's what we're saying now as pastors. We calculate the size of our church by multiplying it by two. I spoke to one pastor of a large church. He said, we multiply it by three because people only come every third week. And I'm going, why would we do that? Surely this would be center. This is our center point. This is the place where we come back again after a week on the Lord's Day, not the Sabbath. We come on the Lord's Day and we focus again and we realign. And so... John is saying, I'm writing this so that you will continually realign yourself with that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. He is Messiah. So we go to chapter 21. And in chapter 21, we read, um, Jesus has, uh, it's kind of funny because it's like John had just finished and then he goes for 
a last hit, right? Let's just go for one more chapter. Let's just go for one more. It probably would have been about half a page of writing. And he goes, on another time, the third time, Jesus comes and he reveals himself to his disciples. And he goes down to the, to the river, to the, to the lake, because down there at the lake, Peter and his mates, the three guys that he actually talks about in chapter 1 of John, decided that they might just go fishing. Let's have a bit of a break. Let's go and do a bit of recreational fishing. So they go down fishing. And just like me, they're out there fishing the whole night and catch nothing. Now, these are professional fishermen. Makes me feel better. So they're out there and they caught nothing. Absolutely nothing. And so they hear a voice from the shore, and, and it's Jesus. But they don't know it's Jesus at first. They just hear this voice of authority speaking out. How'd you go, fellas? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Well, I've got an idea. Chuck your net on the other side. As if they hadn't already done that a few times. <laughs> They've been fishing all night, right? And one side to the other side isn't a big distance. So why would that work? So they chuck the net on the other side. To their surprise, the net gets full. They pull these big fish. I'm not talking little fish, right? I'm not talking fisherman stories here. I'm talking they picked up some big fish. They pulled them into the boat so much so they nearly sunk the flaming boat. And Peter realizes that that was Jesus. So what does he do? He puts his clothes back on and jumps in the water. Why would you do that, Peter? Keep your, just, just go in your undies, mate. You're gonna, it's going to be a lot less to dry out when you get to shore. But he gets himself dressed up to go and meet Jesus. And he jumps in the water. And he walks to Jesus and he finds Jesus is on the shore. Now, this is interesting. He gives them a boat full of fish and he doesn't use the fish he gave them. He already has some. For them. You know, God provides for you and I. It says that. I shall supply all your needs, it says. He will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. He supplies everything you need. And yet then he goes and cooks some up that he's called himself. Some stuff I prepared earlier. Just brought it out for you. Thought we'd have a go. Bit of salt, pepper, um, bit of lemon. It's all ready to go. I love that story because you see, he supplies because he wants you to know that he is God. But he gives you what you need in sustenance every day. I love that. Just ponder on that for a while. Meditate on that scripture for a while. And just think, why would he do so much there? And yet, I don't want to use yours. I've already got some more for you. I give you even more. And this stuff's cooked. This stuff's ready to go. We're not going to waste time. It's already cooked. Nicely done for you. So then they come and they sit around this fire and uh, Jesus is feeding them. And then we come to the verse I want you to have a look at because I think this is kind of interesting. He comes to chapter, so we've got 21 and we're going to start at 15, I think it is. Um, I'm going to watch my time this time because I got caught last time and I do rave a bit. So go for chapter 21, verse 15 to 19. Let me read it to you. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It goes like this. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, notice he calls him Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I wonder what he was talking about. Who were the these? Jesus, 
Sorry, yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then Peter, so, sorry, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Then Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. And so Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Sorry, what type of death? Sorry, let me say it again. Of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. I want to talk to you today, just a little bit, it might be quickly, I'll try to talk quickly, about reset of life. My, the other day, my son, um, Jaden, who's 21 now, he was a baby when we were here, and Jaden uh, is there got himself his first girlfriend, um, and so he brings his girlfriend home, and they're sitting there in the couch, um, and mum, Maggie and myself are sitting on the other couch. He says, Dad, do you want to watch a movie? He knows that we're not good at picking movies, so he has to pick the movie, right? So he picks the movie. He says, no worries, mate, that'll be great. We'll, we'll watch a movie with you. So we're sitting on the couch watching this movie. Now, I picked up fairly quickly what type of movie this was. There was no killing. There was no world disaster. There, there, was, there was no, no um, um, secret service. There was no guns. There was no car chase. It was a chick flick. Now, I like James Bond, right? That's my favorite. You ask me, I love James Bond. So, so here we are watching a chick flick. Now, you might say, well, maybe it's not, because it was called About Time. Has anyone seen the movie About Time? Yep. Did you like it? Oh, see, it's, we're different. I, I struggled with it, right? But it's about a guy. You might like it, so watch it. If you want to watch it, go watch it, right? Check it out. But it was about a guy called Tim, and he turns 21, and he sits with his dad, and his dad says, hey, son, I need to tell you something. The men in our family have a special gift, and this gift is that we can do time travel, but we can't go forward. We can only go backwards, and we can go back to whatever time you can remember. So what you do is you go into the cupboard, And you close the door, and you close your eyes, and you clench your fists. And as you clench your fists, thinking of that particular scenario, knowing the details, you will go back to that time. So he change it. So he thinks that's a good idea, because like me, he was struggling to get a girlfriend. So he thought, well, what we'll do is, uh, because he kept messing up, right? He would say the wrong thing. Anyone done that? Yeah, right. Um, or you would, you know, you would shut the door at the wrong time. Not good to shut the door on your wife. Um, but you could, you, he just said the wrong thing at the wrong time. So he thought, well, if I keep going back to the original time, I could change things around. 
So he would go and meet this girl and he would make a blunder. And so he would go to the cupboard and he would clench his fist and he would go back to time and he'd do it again. And this time he'd get it right. And he did it a few times. Unfortunately, he did try something which was did cause a discussion, but my boys hate watching movies with me because I start looking at discussions about the movie. But it was uh, interesting that his daughter, his sister, who got caught up in drugs, ended up getting really bad, and he thought, well, if I could go back to time, I could fix her life up. I could change the decisions that she made with a certain particular guy who got her into drugs, and maybe we could change it. But that didn't actually to work through it. So I, I like that because I think some of us... In our Christian walk, if you're like me, we're times where we just want to go back and reset our lives. I'd like to go back and reset. I'd like to go back and try that time at Kelm Scott one more time. And this time I'd do it differently. Maybe the walk with Jesus I've had this week, if only I could go back and do it again because, you know what, I messed up a little bit this week. If only I could go back and prepare this sermon again one more time because then I might be put more time into it and I might change it around. What if I could go back and, and that argument I had with my wife or, or your spouse, your husband or your kids, if only I could go back and try it again. That comment I made about my son, which I know has hurt him and broken his heart. If only I could go back just, just a couple of hours and redo it. But what about if we could do that with Jesus? Because I want to suggest that many of us in the church, if we're Christians and we're living human beings, we've probably got some disappointments we've had in our relationship with Jesus. And we're living with that disappointment. And we're living with that, that hurt. See, I, I discovered a few years ago that I was actually an a amazing IT man. Now, I know nothing about computers, but this particular weekend I did. I was on a trip to New Zealand with a friend of mine. We did some community development discussions. We were actually in Christchurch with a whole community that was working with the, with the um, earthquakes that happened over there. Which was kind of it was very interesting because the church was actively involved in bringing change to the community, and we were there, and all these different people were coming and and doing presentations, and they all had computers, laptops, and they all had projectors, and they all had their powerpoints, but no one knew how to set it up. So my mate kept saying, "Well, ask Steve; he knows." So I go, "Great, fellas!" So they were coming along. So Steve, here's my here's my projector and here's my computer and here's the PowerPoint. Can you make it work? I said, I'll have a go. So I turn it on, I plug it in and I got it up on the screen and I discovered this thing called F4. That if you press F4, function 4, that it actually goes on to two screens so you can actually watch it on the projector and on your screen. Everyone thought I was so clever. So I pretended to be clever. They'd ask me, how did you do that? Well, actually, it's all to do with the programming of the computer that you have to change the functionality of the computer so that it can go onto two screens through the, through the video card and present it. They thought I was pretty clever. Unfortunately, that's not a good idea because, you see, what happens is computer breaks and what do we do? Go ask Steve. He knows all about computers. So they come and ask me, Steve, the computer's frozen. It's not working. What do I do? I go, yeah, right. Let me have a look. So I'm pressing buttons and nothing's happening. So I just turned it off and turned it back on, count to 10 and turned it back on again. And it worked. And they said, how did that work, Steve? I said, well, what you have to do is you have to dis disempower the hard drive so that it can reset itself and it can go back to its default function. I just turned it off. 
You know, I want to talk to you today about how do we reset our lives? Because sometimes, like a computer, we add all these changes to our settings accidentally. We, we download something or we mess around with something and we change the settings. And then all of a sudden, the computer gets a bit confused because it's got all these different settings that have been put into place. And our lives get confused because we put all these different settings in place. And somewhere we need to turn it off and go back to the manufacturer's default settings. And you and I have been created by the Heavenly Father who built you and I with default settings. And those default settings, this whole book of the Bible that I love so much is all about how Jesus has come into the world to take us back to the default settings that the Creator put in place back in the Garden of Eden. And it goes all the way through to Revelation where we actually go to how we were supposed to be. See, I think God wants us to go back to our default settings. I was uh, doing a Bible study. I love doing a Bible study with a group of girls up at Kalamunda at Esther House. And these girls are all from pretty, pretty hard lives. Um, and I've learned so much from them. In fact, I love doing Bible studies with them more than with Christians, actually. But don't say that. But I was, I was there and with these girls. And we were talking about that scripture that says... I am a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And I asked them just to, to meditate on that just for a little while. You've done the Bible course. Some of you, it's part of the Bible course. And this girl was there and everyone was saying something. And all of a sudden she piped up and she said, I'm new here. And I would love to start my life anew. Because you see, I want my old stuff to go away. And I want to be a new creation. I, I want that. I'd love someone to take all that junk I've done and all the things that have happened, and I'd love to start again. And here is the good news. That's what Jesus Christ is all about. You see, he said, confess your sins to me, and I wipe them out, and we start all over again. It's all about, I've come to make you new. He, and that word new, if you take the original word, actually doesn't mean a renovation. It's not that he's going to renovate us. He's going to make us brand spanking new as we should have been. And that's the promise. And I think we need to have a reset. I think that Peter had a reset. And I want to look at three things, I think, with the default settings that Peter went back to in this story. The default number one was this, that God loves him. That God loves him. Do you know why I reckon that's there? Because you see, you may remember this story. The mill table, how good he was. Peter was blabbing off around the mill table how good he was, Right? He was saying, I wouldn't let you down, Jesus. Not me. I'm going to stand with you right to the end. And Jesus said, look, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. Oh, I wouldn't do that. No way. Not on your nelly. I'm pretty good. I'm, I love you, Jesus. I'm with you. I'm going to die with you. I'm going to go all the way with you. And it wasn't long where Peter finds himself standing around a fire. 
and is asked by somebody, you know Jesus, don't you? I think I've recognized you. You were hanging out with him. We saw you with the crowd. And he says, no, nah, not me. Not me. And then someone else comes along. I'm sure we saw you. You one of those disciples? Nah, no way. Not me. And then he did it the third time. And the cock crowed. Could you imagine Peter's heart? You see, I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do that. No way. I'm, I'm, I've got a heart for you, God. I'm, I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to die for you. But when the rubber hit the road, he fell apart. I, I don't know about you, but I think I've been there. I've come and said, I'm going to give you everything, Jesus. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to give you my life. I would do anything. And then it the, gets a bit tough, get a bit of opposition, and I fall apart. And you don't want to pretend, you don't want to tell anybody that because you want to pretend that it's not there. But you see, Jesus exposed the true relationship that he had. So when Peter comes to Jesus sitting around another fire, the fire he he sat around where he denied him, and now he's sitting around another fire, and Jesus is saying, So, let me ask you again, do you love me? I think that Peter was in a different place and he was having to go for a reset because his love had been found out, his real heart. You see, I found out this week that there's a syndrome that, uh, that psychologists talk about. And sorry about my notes because I lost my iPad and, um, and now I'm trying to use notes and it doesn't work for me. But there was a, a syndrome that's actually called the um, imposter syndrome. Let me read what this imposter syndrome is. The imposter syndrome, also known as the fraud syndrome or the imposter um, phenomena. So the imposter syndrome is a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts his or her accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. And so what we do, this is what we do. We, we either procrastinate and put everything off because we're worried and then we try and rush it at the end and when someone says you did a good job, we say, no, I didn't know. I just, I just faked it. You know, I just faked it till I made it. You know, it was like, no, I didn't do that. Or we overcompensate and we work really, really, really hard to try and prove ourselves. But we still don't believe it because, you see, deep down, I think I'm a fraud. I'm pretending to be a great Christian. I'm pretending to know Jesus. I'm pretending to be a prayerful person. I'm pretending to be a great pastor. I've been there. Pretend to be a great pastor. Then all of a sudden, as I've been discovering this last year, that there's parts of me that just blurted out. And I'm thinking, you know what? That's my heart. and I don't like it, Jesus. But you see, that's when we need to know he loves us. Because he doesn't love you for what you're trying to be. He doesn't love us for what we're trying to achieve. He doesn't love us for the goals and objectives that we've set for churches to achieve. He doesn't love us for that. He doesn't love Peter because Peter protected him by cutting the guy's ear off. He didn't love Peter for that. He loved Peter because he loved Peter. And I think the church, we need to get back to the default setting. We need to sit there and just see the love and feel and know for one moment that God loves you. See, a few months ago, I didn't tell people this is an extra two. A few months ago, I was, 
he's been doing it a bit tough in my ministry and I decided I needed to go away and just spend some time praying. And it was a dark time, a really dark time because I was seeing Steve I didn't like. And I couldn't get an answer to a question I wanted. And then I decided to actually have a look at my sermon notes for the Sunday coming up. And I couldn't find them because it was on the stupid cloud and I had no reception. So I had to look at my research notes. And my research notes said this. It was a quote by Jim Sabala. It says, Doubt is created when I listen to the voice of man. But faith is created when you listen to the voice of God. And I was thinking, what voices am I listening to? So I sat down on the beach and said, God, I want to stop the voices. I want to hear the voice of God. And so I'm sitting there on the beach, got my chair out. There's a storm coming in and I've got my hat on and I've got my coat on and I've got my earplugs in and I've got my eyes closed and there's no one around. So I'm getting lost with God. And let me tell you, the presence of God fell on me like never before. And it loved for him and I was crying my eyes out. And, uh, and as I'm crying my eyes out, the song came on. I'm no longer a slave of fear. Right? So I'm getting excited about that. So I started shouting that out. I'm no longer a slave of fear. And I opened my eyes. And there's a lady walking along with a dog. <laughs> thinking, what's this strange, crazy man doing on the beach? But you see, that's it. I'm a child of God who loves me. Do we know that he loves you? I'm not talking about in my head. I'm, I got told off for saying this, but yeah, we used to sing the song. Yeah, I've read it in here. We need to know it in there. The Bible needs to become real and needs to go into my heart and I need to know he loves me. And I want to tell you, church, if you don't know that, you know it in your head, but we don't know it here. We need to be saying, God, reveal your love to me because it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Holy Spirit, pour the love of the Father on my life now. Default setting, number one. He loves you. He loves you. Oh, church, we have to know that. He doesn't love big churches. He, well, he does love big churches, but he doesn't love us because we're the size of our church. He doesn't love us because of our size of our ministry. He doesn't love you because you look good. He doesn't love you because you wear tight jeans and, and stripped to, ripped trousers. He, he doesn't like that. He does love that, but he loves you. He loves you in your, in your sitting on the, on, the, on the dirt. He loves you. And we need to know that. And I want to tell you, I think if there's anything you get out of today, grab this in your heart. He loves you. Even though you've messed up. Even though you screwed up real bad. Even though you're faking it, your Christianity. You don't need body. Because if we don't know that, I've got nothing to tell anybody. I've got nothing to tell a girl that says to me, just recently, she's been living, she's a beautiful looking girl. She's living on the street. And she said, Steve, I don't know what love really is. You see, my dad, who never loved me, he, he abandoned me. Boys have just used me. I've never felt that love. And I've got tears running down my face as she's telling me this, thinking, what do I tell you? What do I tell you? And then another girl who's in the same situation, she said, you know what? Go and talk to Jesus because I know he loves you. 
Why didn't I come up with that? I'm the preacher. I know this stuff better than she does. But she did it. Why? Because she's been through it. And she knows Jesus loves her. Come on, let's get back to the default setting number one. Jesus loves you. Loves you. Let's worship because he loves us. Second default. Do you love Jesus? Peter. Do you love me, agape love? In other words, are you going to die for me? Are you going to you going to die for me, Jesus, Peter? That's what agape love is. Now Peter ain't going to go and fool himself this time. Peter ain't going to go and say stupid things this time because he knows Jesus knows him better than he knows himself. So he says, "I feel I love you. I'll be a friend, love to you. It's a very different type of friend relationship. I'll be a friend. I'll i friend you, Jesus." But he says to him, do you love me more than these? I question the these. I think the these may have been all the miracles that have happened over the years and all the events and all the great things that have happened and the miracle of the, of the fish and the miracle of the food. And it could have been, that could have been the these. Or it could have been the these, the disciples. And I think it was these, the disciples. In other words, do you love me more than anything else in the world? Peter. I feel I love you, Jesus. Jesus asked him a third time, and this is the time he got annoyed, but listen to his words. He said, Peter, do you feel I love me? I'll come down to the love you can give me now. I'm not going to ask you to love me in an unrealistic love. I'm not going to ask you to love me in something you cannot do. But would you be my friend? See, here's the trick. We sometimes go... So-and-so doesn't love me. So-and-so doesn't love me. The church doesn't love me. He doesn't love me. He doesn't love me. And we're looking at what people do about their relationship for us. Well, let me tell you, you were never told to receive love. You were only ever told to give love. And once you start to give, it'll start to happen. You've got to give first. We've got to give love. And Jesus says, you know your problem here, Pete? I loved you before you ever, ever loved me. But here's the issue. Start loving me. Start loving me and you watch it flow. You watch it grow. You watch that seed develop and develop and develop. He loves you. Do you love him? And number three, let me give you number three, is this, which is my, my passion. Do you love others? Do you love others? Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. Peter, if you love me, feed the lambs. Peter, if you love me, go and... What's he asking him to do? He's asking him to look out of himself and to give what he has to others. You see, you can't give to others what you've got. I can only give you what i got. If I haven't got love in my heart, I can't love you. Simple as that. If I'm loved by him and I love God, he then says, go and feed my sheep. We've learned that as pastors. That's our job is to preach the word to you, the church. I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about for two reasons. One, there wasn't a church, right? There's a whole bunch of people, the whole world that he came for, the whole world around him. There wasn't a church at that time. And secondly, there, there wasn't the Bible as we know it. So what was he telling him to do? Tell him to go into the world 
and love on people. Feed people. Give people. What, what do people need? i tell you what your neighbour needs right now. Someone just to be a friend. i tell you what you're going to do to feed somebody and to give them life. That's to love them and to care for them. It's a Samaritan story all over again. We had Kalamunda, and I can tell you a little story. You've got time. I've got four minutes up there. Uh, let me give you a bit of time. Uh, God, I mean, we, we have been through a tricky time. And we got so busy focusing inward that it pulled me out of the very thing that I'm passionate about, which is our community. See, I believe this. Your church isn't about the four walls. You know that. And it's not about trying to get people in here to save them. It's about getting you out there in the community. You are the community. You're not separate from it. You live in this community. Where you are is where the church is. Your house is where the church is. See, your street is where the church is. The church needs to be in the community. We need to be part of the community. We should be known in the community. But we get so caught up in running busy churches. And I'm the worst. Our church is busy, twice as busy as yours, running big events. And the other week I was uh, at Anzac Day service in Kalamunda. Took my granddaughter to the service. Ken Wyatt was there. And he came up to me and he said, Steve, are you still in the community? I said, of course I am. He said, I haven't seen you. I've heard that you left. I said, no, 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 I'm still here. He said, good, because we need you. I said, oh, thank you. And then I had someone else come to me and said, hey, Steve, the, the mayor of the community. Steve, are you still in the community? I said, yeah, I'm still here. He said, great. Would you come and have a beer with us at the RSL club? I said, well, I'll come up to the RSL club. That's fine. So I went to the RSL club on Friday night. The place was full. The place was full. And I didn't realize what I was walking into. But you see, our Labour politician, our Liberal politician, our mayor, our, the guy who heads up um, um, cl uh, clubs or WA or something, and someone from the retirement people, and they're saying, we want to do this thing which is about caring for our seniors in our community. Because we have a bunch of seniors living at home. And they're living at home and... And they don't want to go to a nursing home. Don't, don't send us to that nursing home. It's, it's heaven's waiting room. We don't want to go to a nursing home. We want, to, we want to stay at home, but we can't. But what if the community got together and helped our seniors by just doing things like taking the rubbish bin out once a week because they can't get it up the long driveways? Or maybe just sitting and having an intelligent conversation. Or maybe just, just running them to the hospital. Or we'd rip them. When a senior needs to get a plumber and they don't know who to get because if they get the wrong person, they could rip them off. And probably, and they don't even know who's coming into their house. What if there was a hub where we could ring up and you could trust them? Now, this is the interesting thing. I'm sitting there listening to that. Ken White gets up to speak and he comes and says, I'm not speaking from the front here. And he came and stood alongside me. He said, I want to stand next to this man. I'm going, what's this all about, Ken? He said, when I first got into office, I went to the church. And in my conversation with Steve there and the church, we realized that we are one community and we have to work together. You see, church, we should be the leaders of making community happen. And I think that's what it means if we love God. And if we, if, if we know His love and we love God, then we should be loving our community because that's where the sheep are. 
And they're the ones that we just got to give the love of Jesus to. We're in a great season, church. And, uh, and I want to encourage you today. Go back to the default. When I was up north, we were traveling around up north. I loved it. I loved it in the bush for about, well, I don't know how long we were up there, but it was great. I loved sitting out there in the stars. And, and God really spoke to me and he said, Steve, just do three things. Just do three things. Two things, the main things. Love God, love others, and be the church. Love God and love others. Why have we made it so complicated? Right? Love God. Know He loves you. Love God and just be yourselves in our community with the love of God in here. And let's stand. We might finish off there. Is that okay? Because um, I will go on longer. Let me pray. Father God, whoa, they could ignite. Let me pray. Father God, I want to ask for this church, which are all the people in here, including myself, that you would release right now by your Spirit. Just breathe into us the love that you have for us. God, fill us with your love right now. Holy Spirit, just come. Just blow that love deep into our spirits like that new life that you breathed into Adam and Eve. That new life that you breathed into the the army in the valley of bones. You breathed in life. Would you breathe life into us right now, which is the love of God. Breathe it into us. I know that you love us. And give us a renewed love for you that we might truly be able to bring that good food to those around us because man shall not live on bread alone but on every word you are the word the word became flesh put that word in us that we might be the ones that feed those who are desperately in need of love acceptance who need Jesus